The Apostle Paul enlarges on this very theme and subject of getting the victory over sin. I want us to take a look at that. It will help us tonight, I believe, uh, in our understanding of how to arm ourselves with the work of the cross. Let's turn to Romans chapter 6, and we'll begin here at verse 1. First of all, we, we learn right away that the gospel is never a license to sin. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What an ugly thought. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. We're turning to the Psalm 4 and verse 3. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. In this verse, you will see the psalmist's spirit of separation. He says, I am set apart for God. Paul had this spirit in Romans 1.1. 1, 1. He said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. And that is the Lord's will. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 6, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And so we are called to a spirit of separation. We're not to be joining with the ungodly. We're not to be joining with the unrighteous. There is no fellowship there for the Christian, but rather we are to plead that promise. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So there is a spirit of separation. There's also a satisfaction in separation. The Christian is not living in a vacuum. Israel had the Lord. They had the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, which represented God's wonderful presence in the midst of them. And this is a sense of gospel purity. As the Levites in worship sanctified themselves, we are to be a sanctified people, set apart for the worship of God. Let's read Leviticus 11.44. For I am the Lord your God, and ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Now that is repeated again in 1 Peter 1.16, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. This is the satisfaction of the Christian. And that leads us to a spirit of prayer. The Lord will hear when I call. In Psalm 24, 3, the psalmist asked, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. 
For as the Lord Jesus said in John 15, 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. If we would be men and women of prayer, we need to be separated unto the Lord, satisfied with the Lord himself, and supplicating through this attitude of separation. The Lord will hear when I call. This is the confidence of the child of God. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. I hope that you'll stay tuned with us right through the program today that comes to you from our Free Presbyterian Church. At the close of the program, of course, we'll give you all the details about our church ministry here, our radio broadcast, our website, and literature and magazines. And we want you to stay tuned with us because we're continuing with part two on the message, Six Ugly Sins based on 1 Peter chapter 4. And this is the Lord's word for us today. May it be a word of grace, a word of blessing, a word of encouragement to your own heart as we think of what sin has done, but also what the Lord has done and how we may be saved from sin. We praise God that the work of Calvary is still the power of God unto salvation today. Stay tuned with us as we turn out of the message. John Brown, the Scottish commentator, and I noticed this in, in other uh, treatments of this passage as well, that uh, he translated this word, the same mind, the same thought, or the same truth. 
You see, we fight the Christian life with truth, with facts. And here is a fact that we must arm ourselves with. Christ has defeated Satan, sin, death, and he is now reigning. Now, in the gospel, when Christ died, I died. When Christ rose from the dead, the believer rose with him, in him, in union to him. To the Lord Jesus, there is no more condemnation. He totally wiped the slate clean. And by his blood, through an infinite sacrifice, through satisfying the wrath of God in his own person at the cross, he has forever settled the account. And as for Christ, there is no longer an accusation. So for you and me, we're to arm ourselves with the same mind, the same truth. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. There's no more curse. Sin has no more claims on us. And certainly there's no more payment to pay. That makes you and me forever a victor by the cross. The great weapon of our warfare against lust and these ugly sins of the flesh is the cross. You remember Galatians 2.20 where Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. That means he was identified, he was united with Christ in his death. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There is now for the Christian a resurrection life, a new life. It is no longer the life of the slave. It's no longer the life of the Gentile who is under the burden and the bondage of iniquity and slavery to sin. We are in Christ, and as he has conquered by the cross and is risen again, we are raised in him. And you will get your victory over sin, over the flesh, over all these evils that are outlaid here through the cross. Are we doing that? Are we arming ourselves with this truth, this victory that was through the Lord Jesus? Now, I do not for a moment hesitate to say that there is some ambiguity in this passage. There are some very difficult statements, uh, especially go down to verse 6, where it talks about, for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. Now, that takes a little bit of working out. Did you ever preach to a, a corpse? Closest thing that I ever heard of was one of our ministers was visiting in hospital, uh, an elderly man, and he went in to pray with him. And he came out again and went down the hallway and was talking to the nurse and asked, how is he doing? And she said, oh, he died this morning. And so he went through his scripture reading and prayer with this man, and he was already gone. He's already gone. We don't pray for the dead, and we don't preach to the dead. And so that statement is those who were once alive and are now dead. And there are people whom I've preached to over the years in this church, and I've preached to them the gospel of the Lord Jesus, and they're now dead. And in that sense, I could say, I've preached 
to those that are dead. They're now dead. And what does it say? That they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. So these are things that need some explanation. And in uh, verse 1, where it talks about the Lord Jesus, that he suffered in the flesh and hath ceased from sin, it means that he has ceased from his atoning work as a substitute for sin, as the Redeemer, taking upon him the work of expiating or carrying away your sin and my sin. He was the Lamb of God that was taking away not his own sin, but the sin of the world. And now, by the power of the cross, that work is finished. Now, in Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul enlarges on this very theme and subject of getting the victory over sin. I want us to take a look at that. It will help us tonight, I believe, uh, in our understanding of how to arm ourselves with the work of the cross. Let's turn to Romans chapter 6, and we'll begin here at verse 1. First of all, we, we learn right away that the gospel is never a license to sin. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What an ugly thought. What would Peter say to that? After that list we got in verse 3 of those six ugly sins, there's no way that Peter would say that a Christian should think that he now is saved and he can live as he likes. He now has a license to sin. No, he doesn't have a license to sin. He ought to have liberty from sin to overcome it. And you'll notice that's what Paul teaches in Romans 6. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now, how do you get dead to sin? At the cross. When you are crucified with Christ, arm yourself with the weapon of the cross of Christ. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, that means united with him, were baptized into his death. We were in union or united to his death. When he died, we died. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk. And here now is the practical part. It's where the rubber meets the road. It's where you ought to be a Monday morning Christian. Walking in newness of life. How do you get to the newness of life? Not by bypassing the cross, but by being united with Christ in his cross work. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, if I may digress and go back in our mind to 1 Peter, do you remember what it, the link-up was? It was talking about the resurrection of Christ, where he's now seated at the right hand of God. And we are to arm ourselves with this mind. If Christ died for sin and conquered it, if Christ is risen again and is now reigning, you and I 
as Christians, believers in the Lord Jesus, united to him, we ought to be living on resurrection ground. Verse 6, Romans 6 again, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And it goes on. And we'll jump to verse 10. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. Now, do you notice this recurring theme? Do you notice this, this once part? Christ ceased from sin. He, First uh, Peter 3, 18, that Christ died for sin once. And here's Paul saying it also in Romans 6, verse 10, that he died, he died unto sin once. He makes that a separate clause, a separate uh, expansion of our understanding of this. And in that one dying, he got the victory. He liveth, he liveth unto God. And then verse 11, you have this parallel. Likewise, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ the Lord. So how do we do battle against the flesh? How do we get the victory over these lusts, this lasciviousness, this, this immorality of our age? How do we live holy, separate, peculiar people, a different people from the world? By the cross. And when we are united to the work of the cross, we will enter into the power of the risen, living Lord Jesus at the right hand of God. And so Peter says, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, the same truth, the same knowledge. Are you doing that tonight? Let me ask you something. When's the last time you got on your knees and say, thank you, Lord, for your death on the cross and bringing me into an experience of the power of the blood in my life. When's the last time you've done that? Now, I know people say prayers. I know people do their devotions. And there are a lot of devotions out there that, that, that don't seem to get to the cross, that don't seem to emphasize the power of the blood or the victory of the death of the Son of God. I wonder, have you been robbed of the living power of the living Christ, because somehow you've been bypassing the cross in your life. Arm yourselves with this mind, this truth, this thought. I read a story of the execution of a Roman leader, politician. He was known as Marcus Manlius, and he was to be executed Somehow for betrayal, these were the days of the, the fall of Rome uh, in the late 400s. Uh, he had marvelously defended the city against the Gauls when they sacked the city of Rome. He had stood his ground, led his army to defend the city, and then later through some political shenanery, he was uh, condemned and to be executed. Well, he was accused and uh, they was taken to the place where he was to be pronounced guilty 
at a particular forum where he was tried. But inside was the capital or the wall area where he had conquered or defended the city against the Gauls and defended the city. And while he was standing there being condemned, he pointed, weeping, to the scene of his triumph. At this, the people burst into tears, and the judges could not pronounce sentence until they removed Manlius to a low spot so that that scene on the wall was not visible. A little bit of trivia from the Roman world, but a lesson for us. The victory of a Christian is to keep the cross in view. And when your eyes and your thought, your mind is fixed upon the accomplishment, the final victory of our Lord at the cross, you will be a victor in whatever temptation trial, trouble, whatever ungodly situation you may face yourself, arm yourselves likewise with this same mind. Now, you'll notice that Peter expected every professing Christian to make a clean break from these ugly sins. In verse 4, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. He is expecting these new believers to be totally separate from these vices. Of course, that becomes their testimony. That becomes their visible witness of the power of the gospel, because the Christian is living in the light of the cross, is spoiled for the world. We're not going to run with the worldly crowd. And that's why the world thinks it's strange that we have changed. We used to walk with them. We used to live the same way. We used to talk the same way. We used to think the same way, but not anymore. We're a Christian called to be holy as our Heavenly Father is holy arming ourselves with this mindset, this truth that sin is a horrible thing. It nailed my Savior to the cross. And in light of my, the triumph of my Lord Jesus, I am given grace, spiritual power, resurrection power, to no longer walk in those ways of sin. Lastly, I want you to think about the duration of this fight. In verse 3, it begins as the moment we're converted. For the time past of our life may suffice. It's enough. Now that we've heard the gospel, now that we've been to Calvary, now that we have learned the triumph of the Lord Jesus in the sinner's place, we don't want any part in those things anymore. This fight against sin begins the moment we're converted. You see, some people get saved and they think they're going to live a nice, peaceable life as soon as they become a Christian. Let me tell you, that's when the battle just begins. The battle for your mind begins. The battle for your heart begins. The battle for your hands. The battle for your conscience. The battle for your soul all begins when you get converted. 
And the young Christian that wants to get to the, the place of prayer and the house of God, the devil will oppose it. The devil will seek to stop it by any means. So the fight begins the moment you're converted. When does it end? Well, if you look at verse 7, it says, The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch on to prayer. So much of this book of Peter is related to the return, the second coming of the Lord Jesus. We noted that in chapter 113, to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Chapter 413, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. The battle against sin goes on to the day either Christ calls or comes. It never stops. And in this new year, the battle will continue to rage. You will face lust. You will be presented with what we have learned here tonight, lasciviousness, abandoning all rules, temptation to lower the standard, give up uh, the basic Ten Commandments, the moral law of God, turn to a new way of thinking, and all that goes along with it, wine, revelings, banquetings, idolatries. And when man abandons his mind to the Word of God, there's no telling to the depths he goes. You read Romans 1, where it talks about God giving men up to a strange lifestyle to do the thing that is unnatural, and that's sodomy and everything that goes along with it. And when men give up God's Word, God, somewhere along the line, gives men up or over to their lusts. We're in a battle tonight, a battle in this country, against such wickedness and lusts of hell breaking loose and to tear the youth and the, the very fabric of our moral society to shreds. And you and I are called to battle to arm ourselves, not with some human notions, but the cross of Christ, relying on the cross, leaning on the victory that was won at Calvary. You see, our Lord didn't come into a pretty world. It was no sanitized Jerusalem. That day they took him out and nailed him to the cross. It was all the fury and the hatred and the bitterness of Jewry and Rome against God's own Son. But just think tonight how the gospel has triumphed. And we are here, the heirs, the recipients, the beneficiaries of the gospel that's triumphing around the world. Let us arm ourselves likewise with this mind, the cross. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music